Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Granite Cornerstone, episode number 14, Masonic Ritual, More Than Words. Tonight, we're going to be discussing Masonic Ritual and, in a major way, the way we perform that ritual. And to help me with this conversation, I would like to welcome Right Worshipful Brother Scott Newbery, the District Deputy Grand Master of the 2nd Masonic District. Scott, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. Always glad to be here. And also joining us this evening is Right Worshipful Brother Christopher Busby, who is the Grand Lecturer of the Grand Lodge of New Hampshire. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tim. Hey, Scott. Hey, Chris. And also joining joining us tonight is the Senior Deacon of King Solomon Lodge Number 14, Brother Michael T. Brown. Michael, welcome. Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here with you all. So for those of you who are unfamiliar uh, with Brother Brown, he has been touring the state with Right Worshipful Brother Busby as a part of the Grand Lecturer's Ritual Performance Workshops. Michael uh, has been a performer since the age of four, I believe. Is that what I read? Yeah. Been and, performing in school and church since then, yeah. And he is still very much active uh, in that part of his life and, and has really helped. Uh, if you've not seen a ritual performance workshop, he's really helped Chris bring the message of adding performance into good ritual. Uh, and, and they do a fantastic job together. They're a little Laurel and Hardy. It's a lot of fun. Um, so tonight we're going to talk. I don't know. Figure it out yourself. <laughs> um, so tonight we are going to be talking about Masonic ritual. And I think more importantly, we really want to address the concept of performance in that ritual and, and how you can elevate your ritual to the next level. One of the topics that we've discussed in this podcast a lot is, you know, the experience we present new brothers, retention of those new brothers, and, and kind of keeping the lodge active and, and lively. And I, I will say from my experience, nothing does that better than ritual. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on on ritual and ritual performance as it relates to a, an active and healthy lodge? Well, uh, I am a little bit biased, I, I admit. Um, it's, it's one of those things that I think is, is truly fundamental um, to masonry. I think you've heard it said before, you know, what, what are we without our, our ritual? Um, but I, I think more than anything, it's what binds us all together. Um, as, as masons, um, as members of a lodge, as officers, um, I, I think that particularly when we talk about a lodge officer line, I think one of the things that can really help to bring those guys together and, and approach uh, masonry in a, in a very collective and strong manner in their lodge is, is, through, uh, is through the practice of, of ritual. I, I think it really is something that, that strengthens everything we do. So, uh, Michael, you are currently senior deacon of your lodge, correct? Correct, yes. And you are not a past master. I am not. So, I mean, listen, you're in, in what I would consider, and I think many people would consider their favorite seat in the officer line. And what has your experience been as you're going through that seat and going through the ritual you've had to perform Compared to the way you've seen it done before, how do you bring your performance into, into that ritual? The senior deacon has a very, a very unique job. And I think a very, a very uh, lack of better terms, prized position in that 
and I've, I've talked a little bit about this with with, with uh, Right Worshipful Busby, um, and and of changing that mindset of of I have to to I get to the the senior deacon gets to um, bring this new brother light and uh, gets to gets to bring them around the lodge. Uh, it's a it's a it's a leader role um, that I that's that's very important um, in that it the senior deacon is transmitting information and also you know at points talking for the brother um, which I think it it's it's a it's a very important position to be in, um, and very impactful when when done the right way. When, and that comes from understanding what your uh, the ritual that you're 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 going through, um, and the ritual that you're giving uh, to the new candidate. Well, and one thing I want to add to that, and to, you're absolutely right, Michael. And you know the. The senior deacon has the ability, I think, to set the tone, really, for all of the ritual. Um, uh, the you know he he's the first brother to uh, you know to to meet a new new brother uh, at the door. He you know he he is the way that he presents himself when uh, when when caring for our candidate. Um, and how he interacts with all of the officers is such a is such a linchpin to uh, really everything that we do uh, when we're uh, when we're conveying our lessons. Yeah, I, I mean, I can tell you right now. I remember every officer who sat in during my degrees, but the memories that I have that are the strongest are are the worshipful master who raised me. And the senior deacon who guided me around all three of my degrees. Yeah. And that is, that is a level of importance. I don't think you can, you can't take it lightly. Agreed. No, you can't. It, it's, it's, it's a really critical role. I, I've, I have, I had the luxury of not only serving a senior deacon when I went through the line, but when my son went through his degrees, I actually stood in as a senior deacon for his degrees which is what my father did for me when I went through my three degrees. Yeah. And believe me, you know, you don't realize the weight of that office until it's a family member standing next to you. You know, some brothers are better at it than understanding it than others, but I'll be honest with you, when it's your father or your son standing next to you and you're walking around the lodge with them, it means an awful lot. It really does. And there's a relation, I mean, there's a relationship that's instantly uh, created um in, in that moment uh whether whether you 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 really know that brother or not no matter who's in that role um you know there's a relationship so have that sort of father and son you know friend to friend you know f guys that really know each other in that role which which can be very intimate um in in the terms of our of our ritual is is is, is tremendous. Oh, I, I would totally agree. I mean, you know, the, the fact that, you know, you know the gentleman that's on the other side of the door when you go to to collect him and bring him in, it's it's so much more emotionally impactful for both people. Yeah. You know, if you know the individual, and that goes back to what we've always talked about is you want to know the candidates. 
because let's face it, it's different when it's the, well, I met him at dinner tonight versus the, you know, I'm so excited, you know, Michael's going to be joining the lodge, you know, it's, it's, it's you right. know, his night, you know. I, I would even go as far to say, because I know we've all talked about mentorship, the senior deacon being the first mentor of a new candidate, um, you know, again, within the lodge, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, one of the things as junior deacon and a senior deacon, I always said to a candidate, you know, as they were standing outside that door, a little nervous about what's about to happen, it was always, don't worry, just listen, and it will all make sense. And the person they're listening for nine times out of 10 is the senior deacon. Right. And I think that, you know, that kind of brings us around to the topic we're discussing tonight is how can you elevate your ritual to make it more impactful? You know, in Scott's case, obviously, guiding Alex around the lodge, regardless of, of the ritual performance was going to be incredibly impactful. But for those of us who may not have a strong relationship or a predetermined relationship with those candidates, we need to deliver the first face of the fraternity the minute that they knock at the door. And I think Chris, this is part of your LOI. Um, and I believe it's part of your ritual workshop, your ritual performance workshop as well is that first interview at the door. Is Chris frozen? Chris is frozen. Chris is frozen, yep. Well, so I've been to both. I actually <laughs> performed this role at the LOI. And, and yes, I, I, have... I remember you doing that at the LOI. And so one of the things that, you know, Chris and Michael do is they present ritual as it's written and, and ritual as, it's as it should be performed. And I think that that's, something we really need to to work on as we're talking about ritual. Oh, Chris is back. Let's see if he's with us. Hi there. Hey, Chris, welcome back. <laughs> I just decided just to pop out for a minute. Now my That's internet a... connection just completely bombed out on me. <laughs> well, you got it back real that. quick. Yes, I did. So Thankfully. we were talking about um, the ritual performance workshop and the LOI, that, that bit you do at the door. And I think that, yeah. you know, that's more important than a lot of other pieces of ritual because for an EA, it's the first piece that they get hit with. They knock at that door and then they hear what coming from the other side. So why don't you, you and Michael kind of tell us about how that particular piece of ritual was chosen and sort of how you wanted to present it to people through your ritual performance workshops. So from, from my perspective and it kind of, it actually goes directly and thank you for setting that up, Tim. Uh, it goes directly in because, you know, it is that first impression and because the teachings of Freemasonry are so uh, indelibly, I mean, they are communicated through our ritual, that first impression that you give um, and, 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 and the, the, the care and emotion that you bring through, through that impression, um, can really make or break an experience, I, I think, for, for, for a brother. One of the things that we were talking about is, is that, you know, these days in particular, because of all of the resources and good and bad information that's out there about Freemasonry, um, candidates, new guys that are joining the fraternity have very high expectations, uh, they may not know exactly what they're expecting, um, and we hope that they don't in a way, right? Because, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, in, unfolding the lessons as a part of the degrees, but um, they do expect from a, you know, 
uh, at least in modern times, from a modern perspective, a 300-year-old fraternity, uh, that something um, deep and meaningful and impactful and important is about to be communicated. And in that moment of time, right at the beginning, if, 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 if you don't do that, um, it, it, I think it really can set the entire uh, initiatic experience as a brother goes through the degrees, uh, you know, on the wrong foot. Michael, do you want to talk a little bit more about those? I I mean, I would actually agree with everything that you just said. was sort of thinking, and then you said that, well, I guess we've been working together too long. So (laughs) I've, I've, I've brainwashed him. I've, I've gotten my tentacles. Yeah, we're in trouble, Tim. (laughs) But it does, that, that, that first moment at the door, it really sets the tone for the degree. Um, And so, and the the seriousness and, um, the, for lack of better terms, monumental moment um, that's about to happen should be conveyed as such, you know, through the door. And and when you're just there saying the words um, and not putting the feeling behind it, uh, it, it takes on a different meaning. Um, and again, just like uh, Wright Worshipful said, you know, it 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 sets the tone for the rest of the degree. Yeah. And so if you don't if you don't set the bar high right at the get go, you know, it you know, depending on who else is in the chairs during during that degree, you may be able to raise the bar just a little bit, but you want to start out start out high so chris as grand lecturer it's really your job to steer the ship uh as it relates to to ritual and and ritual performance and all of those things what would you say is is one of the biggest hurdles to that mission um i think that uh to some degree um and and this is sort of a natural progression and and let me be clear in saying this it's you know uh priorities change uh in any organization uh in any fraternity over time and i think um you know i I think that there was a a time uh that you know we were really focused i think on on getting the words right and and that that was our primary focus, um, but in and that's wonderful, and and I am not <laughs> taking away from that. I think you know, as a part of our journey um, in in learning ritual, we 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 all are trying to get better. That's part of the point of what Freemasonry is. Um, but I think along the way, um, that became that became the majority of what we focused on, and so. Really, my goal here, uh, and I've just for those that don't know, I've been grand lecturer for uh, for about eighteen months now. Um, you know, my goal has really to not de-emphasize the accuracy uh, of ritual, but really uh, emphasize the idea of how we say what we say, why we say what we say associated specifically to our ritual, and then be able to tie in sort of the uh, the educational parts, uh, because really education, Masonic education, um, is just 
expounding upon our lessons. Um, and so they're, they're really sort of components of, 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 of the very basis of what Freemasonry is. Um, so really trying to lo- look at, at a longer term, broader view of, of, of providing tools to lodges um, to allow them to think about our ritual a little bit differently and, and be rather be, uh, you know, we don't want to be here to, to, to slap people on the hand with a ruler. We want to be able to um, support lodges, support brothers, because learning ritual and understanding ritual is hard. Um, it's, it's, it's a journey that we all go on um, to say that I understand and know everything in, in my position. I've been a Mason for 13 years. And um, just because I'm wearing a purple apron doesn't make me an automatic expert who knows everything. Uh, we're all here on the same journey together. Um, and so uh, providing those resources and nurturing some of the guys that really want to learn and, and really getting, getting the brethren that uh, have, have been either intimidated by ritual or, uh, you know, whether it be the content or the volume of it, to really think differently about uh, about the approach, so that there can be more of that. I get to do this um, because I think sometimes we get ourselves into the state where um, it, it it seems like a burden, and, and it and it can be because it's hard. Um, so how how do we uh, how do we change the way that we look at at, at performing ritual, and in at the same time begin to change our mindset as to what we're doing and why. And, and that's a, that's a long term. That's not a, <laughs> that's not something that can happen overnight, but I think it, it it's very much within uh, the foundations of our fraternity. And I, I don't think that uh, I think that as, as we go forward, hopefully if the brethren are, are uh, receptive to it, that uh, through uh, these types of, of workshops and discussions about, uh, why we do things, the motivations, understanding performance, then then we can slowly uh, change some of that dynamic. Tim, we can't hear you. We can't hear you. <laughs> no. This is the fun part of the podcast. <laughs> Hello. There you yes. go. All right. I don't know what happened there. My microphone just disconnected in, in restream. Um, not the only one. I feel better now. Thank you. Nope, for joining you're you're good. Uh, so, Chris, one of the things you, you said struck me, uh, and that's learning ritual is hard. And you know what? It is. Uh, I've sat as master. Three of us have, have gone through all of the chairs and have had to learn a, a pretty considerable burden of ritual. So let's let's take that as the first step. Right. Mm-hmm. How is it that that each of you has has approached ritual memorization and trying to learn the ritual so that you know the words before you start to understand the words? Uh, S- Scott, let's start with you. What's your what's your method? Well, it, it's kind of evolved over the years. I mean, when I first went through the chairs, let's face it, the brute force method is is what most of us go with. Uh, and the lodge I went through the chairs when I went through the chairs, it was one year per chair. So right, but it's right about the time you start to get comfortable with the chair, you move to the next one, uh, which it makes it a challenge, especially when you make that transition between the two deacon chairs. Uh, you yeah. know, 
Uh, so for me, a lot of it was at least initially, it was just repetition, you know, just brute force. You just go over it and over it and over it and over it so you can get the words in because at that point you're focusing on, I need to know the words before I can worry about anything else. And unlike what some of you guys have been experienced when I went through the chairs, the, I went through when the focus was the words. Did you get all of the words right? You know, and we actually, the inspections at the time, that's what was called out was, you know, the people that actually did the words correctly and those that didn't do the words correctly. Uh, so it's a very different flavor now. And it's a much better feel, in my opinion. You know, it's more about, you know, the, did you get the intent along with the words? Uh, and it's, it's very different. And how I've changed over the years is now that I've gone through the chairs and I've not only uh, filled back in in some of the chairs and I've given ritual, uh, you know, stepping in for different candidates. Uh, one of the things I've noticed is it's no longer for me about sitting down and spending hours upon hours upon hours about memorizing because I know most of the words. In fact, if anybody sits in lodges, sits in enough degrees, you kind of have a general gist, even yes. if you haven't memorized it, you kind of go, yeah. Oh, that doesn't quite sound right. And you know, it's, it's just cause you, it's, you're used to it. Uh, so for me, a lot of what it now comes to is the visualization aspect. So I can be sitting there with my book, even in my office here, and I'm thinking about where I am in the room. Yeah. What do I want to be doing with the candidate? And not so much necessarily the tonal inflections and stuff, but when I go back through the words, the phrasing starts to take on a different than when I first learned it. So it's more about how I want to talk through it, how I want to you know, position the candidate, where I am in the room so I understand what's going on and how I want to present it. Uh, but it takes a while to get there. You've, you've got to have at least some mastery of the words before you can start to think about those other things. And it, it takes time. You know, like Chris mentioned, it takes time. I've had a lot longer time than most of the people on this podcast. Uh, as I went through the, you know, through the chairs and, and you know, been involved with the, the fraternity for, you know, even before I became a Mason. So you, it takes time to get to that stage. But yeah, for right now, it's more about the how do I want to say this? Where do I want to be with the candidate? Especially when doing the histories and stuff. You know, where do I want to be in the room? How do I want to present it? Uh, but that's that's for me. It started off with brute force, just repetition. And usually, uh, it wasn't quite what uh, right worshipful Mike Salisbury used to teach. I, I you know he's a firm believer of the you know inch by inch is a cinch, and you know most memorization people will tell you that everybody has a magic number. They can remember so many words at once and they work their way through the ritual that way. Uh, for me, I always worked in phrases. You know, what, what what's the phrase I want? And I would just beat that into my head until it, it stuck there, uh, which was kind of, it's kind of interesting because instead of looking at the, what's the next three words, it's the, what's the next phrase I want to use. So it's a little different, but it, it's the same basic mentality is, is that you just keep going over and over and over until it gets into your head. So, Chris, I, I got to see you perform, uh, um, well, most of a Master Mason history last week. <laughs> wow. Like I said, sometimes you sit there, something just Ouch. doesn't sound right. <laughs> <laughs> Brethren, yeah, I uh, I missed a, a small paragraph in the uh, Master Mason history. A paragraph so, nonetheless. <laughs> to my earlier point, uh, purple does not make me uh, uh, omniscient. But, but here's the uh, thing. Improving. I was also there. The feeling was there. Yes. So I will give you that. The feeling was there. So I, you know. From a, from a candidate perspective, 
uh, it was fine. I mean, you know, like Michael, like you said, the feeling was there, the emotion was there, the intent was there. But I didn't for those... know this was going to be a, a critique on my ritual now. <laughs> Listen, well, you know, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> no, but I mean, but to be honest with you, I, I actually I think it was it's one of the things that goes to the command of the ritual that all of us can obtain. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I, you know, I was talking with a, a, a brother from Demolay, actually, uh, you know. Uh, someone who's in the demilitarization, which also has a fair amount of memorization done by the young men there. And uh, we were talking about a piece of ritual there, and it was the same type of thing. He missed a sentence or two. Uh, and we were talking about it, and he goes, he goes, but I remembered what you keep telling everybody when they do ritual. Don't stop. Don't stop. Because yeah. the, candidate, the candidate will get your intent He'll get your emotion. He'll get he'll get that connection with you. It's all of us that are sitting on the sidelines are going, some does doesn't sound right. And you know, it's you know, but it's you know, but the candidate is the one who's the who's the real focus at that point. And We're all there and not, they didn't notice. They absolutely no. did no. not notice. No, are, are um, they in the audience tonight? <laughs> yeah. I talked to them about it. Because you know, I mean, just like anyone else, you know. Anyone else that's done ritual or, you know, is a, you know, uh, you know, sort of my hardcore ritualist, right? The guys that really get into it and, you know, you've kind of flogged yourself a little bit, right? Oh, because yeah. as, as you're, as you're in the process of saying it, like when I was standing there, I'm rolling and I'm like, I didn't say that part. I didn't say like, as I'm doing the history and I'm like trying to plot my path to see if I can get, you know, sort of find my spot and get back to into it sort of midstream, which is so incredibly hard to do um, because we don't learn ritual that way, typically, right? We're learning it essentially from beginning to end and then performing it from beginning to end. But, um, but it, you know, it's a lesson and it's a lesson that I think we, we all learn. But did I know that part of ritual? Yes. As a matter of fact, it was one of the easier parts. It wasn't the harder part that you, you, you get uh, kind of messed up on. You take for granted some of those easier uh, or what's easier for you and uh, focus on what's hard. And then be you get the better at what's hard and neglect what's easy. I'll be the first to admit it. I remember going through my lessons and I get, you get to the end and there's all the, uh, you know, those last couple of things that are in plain text. Yeah. Oh, that's oh, easy. Yeah. I'll get to that. That's not a worry at all. And that's what tripped me up. Yep. Oh <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always the plain text, but so, so Chris, how do you, how do you approach breaking that piece is uninterrupted it is broken down into some digestible chunks and sections that you can work, yeah. but how do you learn something like a history? That's always been one of my struggles really is the histories because they're just a, a flow of consciousness for, you know, 10 minutes. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a little, I have, you know, have to be a little bit vague, obviously if they're sure. brethren watching this, then they know what I'm talking about, but you know um, it, let me just take a step back for a minute um, and kind of go back to the, beginning here real quick as far as my experience is concerned, because I think a lot of us start relatively young as Masons um, in learning ritual, right? We become an officer within the first year or two um, a lot of times and are kind of thrown in and we haven't seen a whole lot of degrees. Um, and, and so the see, the traveling or seeing degrees in your own lodge and hearing other people deliver it, to me, I, I, I was a lot of my first step, even before starting to memorize it. And to your point, Tim, as you're sitting in the lodge, then you're already, you're, 
you know, learning by osmosis, right? You're, you're exposed to it over and over again. And then you start to really pick up those pieces. Um, as far as the histories are concerned in particular, I actually changed the way I learned. I had to change the way I learned because a lot of our, our, our ritual is very conversational back and forth. One thing leads to another. Um, our lectures, our, our, we call histories, are, are not that for 95% of it or more. And so uh, the way that I started learning was that I, I, I started to learn first, and this is very hard to do and, and develop, but I started to learn to learn the words in a very similar way that Scott mentioned, you know, taking those phrases or those ideas, right, and starting to put them together. But as I combine those phrases and ideas and turn them into paragraphs, then what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to say it as fast as I can. And that might be very counterintuitive to the idea of performance. But what I'm working on initially is recall. Because if I don't have to stop, which is unfortunately where where I got into trouble (laughs) the other night, but you, you learn for recall. And so the, it's in, it's in, it's already loaded, right, to some degree. And then, you, then I start to focus as I'm doing it. I start slowing it down and then shifting my inflection, and I'm playing with it. It's like, uh, it's like seeing how things roll off the tongue. It's like you know, it's like taste testing it, right? It, you you say it a few different ways, and see sort of what, uh, how it lands, and you know, with you. Um, and then what I, what I like to do once I kind of get it to a point is I actually like to bring another brother in to watch me do the history to not only beat me up on my words, because that's what I want, uh, to make sure that I'm, I'm getting as many of those words, right. But also to be able to say, Hey, that didn't sound right. Or, or you were going too fast or that didn't flow. Um, so that's one of those things when learning it quickly, you then have to try to start breaking it down and slowing it down and finding that rhythm for you that, that makes sense. And and one of the things associated with that, I, I say a lot that, you know, slow down, slow down, slow down in in your delivery. But one of the things you never say that. Yeah. (laughs) One of the things I've said it to him, one of the things that, um, I think about more and more, um, and there's a lot of truth to this. A few brothers have mentioned this to me, and I've kind of I've integrated it. Is that um, everyone has a different cadence naturally of their voice, uh, how how the volume that they speak, the inflection, the the speed in which they 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 talk naturally. Um, but basically, I, I try to think about how I would naturally converse. You know, the speed, the pace and the inflection that I would use when I naturally converse and try to adopt that as to be more conversational or to seem conversational because frankly, the, the histories are not conversational. There's a lot of information. It's uh, drinking from the fire hose. I say this all the time as far as the person that's on the other end of it. So if I can, if, if I can find ways to be able to move and speak in that way that keeps keeps those brothers engaged that's what i'm 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 working through and i i i like it to be a, a process that goes beyond just me if that makes sense i like to involve the other yeah. brothers in the process of learning that so that i can get their feedback before i even put it out there on the floor of the lodge 
So, Michael, I'm going to ask you this the same question, but I want you to approach it from two two different directions here, right? Okay. So, when you're learning ritual, and when you're learning a part in in a play or or whatever it is that you're trying to to memorize, how do you approach it? When do you start adding? You know, to Chris's point, when do you start adding that performance aspect, and when do you break off from just memorization, or or do you incorporate that right at the beginning? Interestingly enough, I, I have started learning a ritual like I learn a script. Um, uh, and how I typically do that is, you know, I start at the beginning and then when I mess up, I start over. So, you know, you just keep going with it. And then as I go through, though, I'm finding those words to add emphasis or to put a, a movement to or or, you know, uh, words that I, uh, words that, that, that I want, that I know are, that, that I know will convey the meaning that I'm trying to get across. So I, I really look again, uh, at, as, at the ritual, like as a script, which is something we talk about in our, in the ritual workshop, um, because I think the best advice actually for me, from an actor standpoint, that I got was from right worshipful Andy Bennett, who said, you know, masonry is like theater in the round, basically. And it is because you're you're playing in a sense to everyone in the room in the round. Um, so I start to, you know, and I'm I'm really quick with, all right, does this work? Or how about I try it this way? You know, and that happens in the learning process of it. And so then uh, from there, you know, once I feel I have the words down, um, then I'm in the lodge and I bring it to the lodge. And usually I, I love going to the lodge by myself and being able to yes. you know, walk through the floor work of it, um, which also then helps me to memorize the ritual because in my mind, I'm saying, okay, I need to be here when I say this part, yes. or I should be moving to this way when I'm saying this part, or, you know, or I'm talking to this person here. So I need to make sure uh, that, that I'm in a, standing in a way where I'm still able to have that conversation. Um, can I can I make a, a, a point about that uh, real quick, Michael? I, I don't mean to interrupt, but you said a very important thing, and that is, I think a, what a lot of us do when we learn ritual, at least, I, I mean, I can certainly say from my experience, is that because we're, 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 we're reading a book or we're reading our cipher or whatever it is when we're learning our ritual, we are... Um, we end up visualizing the way it looks on the paper, mm -hmm. right? That that's that that oftentimes can can be sort of like okay, what appears after this, and that you're kind of thinking about the words and how they flow, and that walking into the temple, right, and getting that okay, where do I need to be, and thinking about what has come before and what has come after, and what you're trying to convey in that process is I think extremely important to help to bring it oh, beyond sort of the visualization of the words. I, I would completely agree. And, and you know, when I mentioned about visualizing what I'm doing, I happen to luck out. I have a fairly large family room so I can get up with the ritual 
and I can pace and think about where I want to be in the lodge room, even though I'm not physically in the lodge room like Michael does. I don't necessarily, I don't go down to the lodge room to practice. I have a room large enough where I can pace and in my head, I can say, all right, I'm crossing to this point. I can see it. Been in the same lodge room for, you know, 15 years. I, I, I know the, the, the distances. I know how to get around it. You know, and I'm sure that's part of what my, why Michael does what he does. He wants to know what's my pacing. Where do I, you know, how many paces is it? What's the walking I need to do? Who do I turn to? Who am I expecting to see in which spot? It all makes a big difference. It, it, when you being being in lodge is a lot like being on a stage in the sense of when you're on the stage as an actor if it's a stage that you've been on many times um, then you know a lot like you said you know where how many steps is going to take to get from point a to point b um you know where where when you say a lot of ritual, where it's going to have the most impact, um, and and it, I think, and again, one of the reasons why I do it is because that familiarity with with the lodge. Um, as we know, each degree is different, uh, and every lodge is different, as we've talked about. Um, usually, with uh, the ritual workshop, you know, we've been in, you know bigger lodges such as Nashua or um, uh, smaller lodges as Jaffrey. And um, when I'm doing work in the workshop and doing pieces from uh, uh, doing pieces from looking over the president's shoulder, using that as a reference, you know, I then have to think, all right, how am I going to set this up in this new space? Um, now, I think luckily every lodge is laid out the same from east to west, as we know, um, which helps. Um, but again, that that doesn't uh, that that uh, the, that doesn't take from the different sizes of each lodge. So, well, so you've all brought up something in different ways that I think is very important. When I received my degrees, my history was given to me sitting in a chair in the east and i sat in that chair for what felt like forever uh to receive those histories they were well performed they were they were well delivered but they weren't performed and and i know in in my life today when i perform ritual and uh worshipful brother martineau is is watching this right now and, and i hesitate to give him this sort of compliment uh, one of the things I hear in my head and see when I'm practicing ritual, especially, is I hear Guy Martineau's voice and the way he performed it because he was the senior deacon and, and going through all those positions when I was first in the lodge. And, and he was really one of the first ones that I saw start to incorporate movement into a lot of those extra pieces that didn't have it already in the, in the, the manual. So how, how important is movement? I know, Chris, you've, you've got some points on your uh, ritual workshop where you talk about specifically subtle movements and movements within the lodge and how they shouldn't detract or distract from the ritual but how important is movement in ritual when it's not something that you're doing because the book tells you to do it nope can't hear you chris i coughed and muted 
Um, so it needs to be, uh, it needs to have an intent. It needs to have a purpose to, uh, to what we're trying to convey. Now, obviously there are things like hand gestures and things like that, where, you know, when we talk, we do this, right. You know, some more than others, right. But for the most part, a lot of folks use their hands to be able to be expressive. Um, and I think, I think sometimes what happens is that we get so locked up because Masons aren't nat- aren't performers first. That's we don't we're not teaching. Well, uh, most aren't. Most aren't. <laughs> Some are. Michael is certainly. We have other brothers that certainly are. Um, but for all you know, the vast majority aren't. So it's you know it's that old old joke, and I bring it up. But you know, I think it's you know brought up in Seinfeld and a few other places. What do I do with my hands? Well. You know, I think it was Sir Patrick Stewart that says, you do nothing with your hand. You know, you don't pay attention at all to them. And that's and that's part of the problem. But, you know, um, to to be expressive without being distracting to what you said, because I think that in one of the things that I I've, I really have tried to to uh, beat out of myself as far as ritual is concerned is I'm a I'm a very uh, I move when I talk. And sometimes I move a lot. If you ever see me on the phone, if you were to ever see me on the phone, I I, I think I do 10,000 steps on like a 20-minute phone call, which is how I am. And so you bring that into what you do. So it's really about, and Michael talks about this in, in, in great ways in, in the performance workshop, is being uh, self-aware. And a lot of it boils down to self-awareness to be able to um, channel your, your, your movement uh, your, the movement of your person in a way that that makes sense and is expressive, if that makes sense. And then the second part of it is where you physically are yes. um, in the lodge. And, and that piece of it, uh, I, I think a lot of brothers don't understand that uh, or don't know that um, there's very all of the direction as far as where to be is in the ritual and beyond that, there's some information in our manual, which is in the you know part of the uh, grand Const- or uh, an addendum to the grand constitution. But other than that, um, we do have a lot of freedom, um, especially when it comes to those longer pieces uh, that are more narrative, like you know the lessons or the histories, where we 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 we're, we're talking for you know 20, 25, 30 minutes, and to be able, I think, to move brothers around in in places where and do things that that reflect the things that they've just gone through i think helps to really a engage them physically right because sitting down and listening to someone talk for 30 minutes nonstop in any environment is extraordinarily difficult and our language is not exactly modern language it's in many cases you know 100 200 300 years old depending on the Part we're talking about. So uh, we really have to be able to find the ways to be able to also get the meaning across and implant those very specific parts within the course of delivering that ritual that really relates to specific aspects of what we're doing. We just did a master mason degree and for the for the brothers that are in the master masons that are on on uh, on the call or on the call on the podcast, they, they understand sort of where, where some of those places are uh, to be able to reinforce those ideas 
uh, and to really make that impact. So that, that, that that's really important. Now, it's also a hard thing to add to. It's not, it's not something that you can necessarily do the first time you deliver a piece of ritual. Um, because okay. oh, yeah. you do have to sort of get a feel for it, and you do have to be comfortable within yourself enough to then be able to move, you know, to essentially move on to that next uh, level of, of, of depth in, in your, uh, in your performance. But, um, you know, I think that oftentimes we, uh, we learn ritual and as soon as it's memorized, the process is, has ended. And, and that's our own fault, I think, because we haven't talked about then what's next. Now, a lot of brothers pick up on that and they uh, adopt and make, make it their own. Um, and ultimately, if it makes sense to the, the message that we're trying to convey, if it's not distracting, if it adds to the experience and helps to implant those ideas, then that movement, I think, is, is, is critical. But it's not me telling you as grand lecture, oh, you have to do it this way. If it's not in the book, again, you have some of that ability to be able to to make those pieces your own. And that, and that is the, the, the part of ritual um, in those areas where you, you really have that ability um, to use movement that way. Well, I, and I think you touched on a really important piece there. And I think it's something that <clears throat> it's hard for a lot of people to come to grips with. No one's telling you exactly how to deliver any given piece of ritual. No. There's certain things that you, you know, there's certain words you need to say, and in some cases, there's certain places you need to be. But any given piece of ritual is yours to own the way you want to. You know? Yeah. And I think a lot of brothers find that challenging. Uh, I actually had an opportunity to see a brother give give one of the histories, one of the lectures, sitting down with the candidate in the East because he had taken a tumble and twisted an ankle. Oh, but he, there was a brother, that was a brother who could pull it off. Because... He had a, such a command of the piece of ritual, his tonal inflections and hand gestures were enough to keep literally the whole room attentive, which was... And it, that's, a, that's, a, that's a rare and wonderful gift. Yes, <laughs> it nice. is. I it mean, really I, yeah, is. I, I mean, you know, that's, that's you know, I, every time I think about great ritual, that's, that's the individual I go back to because I, I was yeah. lucky enough to have him as a member of my lodge. But just the ability to say, I'm comfortable taking this to where I want to take it, as long as they work within the guidelines that, you know, that have been set forward for us and, and we don't do anything that's, you know, blatantly against what's in the ritual. Yeah. Oh, you know, yes. I mean, <laughs> you know, we me, have to keep, let me reinforce. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's let me be clear. Thing. But right. I mean, you, you, we know we have to keep certain guidelines in place, but the rest of it, you can make it your own and no two ritualists should expect to deliver it the same way. No, and, and and let me add to that, and just to the New Hampshire brethren that are that are listening to the podcast right now, if you have a question, ask. You know, we've got your district deputy grand lecturers. We have my deputy, Dennis Tuttle Sr., uh, myself, and I, I like to. I certainly hope that we're all approachable, and 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 you know, be happy to answer any of those questions. You know. It may sound easy or silly, you know, I've heard, well, this is a dumb question. Well, no, it's not because you're asking it and you're thinking about it and it's important to you. So it's a good question. Um, so encouraging that, you know, like saying, hey, I'm thinking about this. But to your point, Scott, 
the way to really be able, if you don't know within yourself, because you don't necessarily have that performance experience, is by seeing how that ritual is performed by other brothers and how those things strike you and really adopting Right. You know, the greatest form of flattery is, you know, <laughs> is copying, is copying. <laughs> imitation, right? right? Imitation. <laughs> so we, you know, but there are wonderful, wonderful ritualists in this state um, that uh, that I've, you know, that I've I've said, wow, that's that's really cool. I, I want to find a way to adopt that for myself and, and make that my own, too. Right, it doesn't have to be exactly the way that. So, it was so are you it. suggesting people travel? Yes, I am. <laughs> but I'd like to hear Michael's take on. It. He's looked like he's been chomped at the bit to say something. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I, I, I say this a lot during the workshop, and and for me, it it, it stands true. And I know we talked about it the other night with Busby. Um, I look at the ritual as a script. Um, and I, me being me, I have to say, I kind of look at it as a Neil Simon script because a Neil oh, Simon. This is the script. first time I've heard that. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a way, because Neil Simon, you know, when he was alive, had such a tight hold on all of his pieces in that you have to say every word that was in the script, Not, no cuts no substitutions. Um, blocking was there for a reason, and that's how it was. Now, again, outside of what was written, um, blocking-wise, you did have some leeway. So looking at the ritual as a script, again, it tells you what to say, what to do. There are characters. Going back to the self-awareness piece of it, each officer of the lodge is a character in the script. Um, they have lines, they have duties that they have to, that they have to do. Uh, they have different blocking uh, or movement movements that they have to make. Again, outside of that, you know, there's some things that that are, for lack of better terms, up to interpretation when it comes to movement. Um, and I say that in that much like you said, right, Worshipful Busby. You, you have to figure out, as I do, as I do when I'm doing any show. You know, we've got the director to tell me what to do, but also for myself, have to figure out. All right, does this make sense to do? Does this add this movement that I'm doing add to the piece? Does mm -hmm. this movement make sense? Does this movement get the point across? Again, where am I going to be at on stage? Um, or in the lodge where I'm saying this line, where it's going to have the most impact. You know, uh, I often ask during the workshop, where is the most powerful place in the lodge to deliver a piece of ritual? And again, that there's no right answer to that because just like on stage, a lot of times, you know, if you ask any actor, a lot of times they'll say center stage. I disagree with that. I like to be downright. Um, in the lodge, I like to be in the the north the northwest corner of the lodge. There's something about that 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 spot there that I feel when when giving uh, certain parts of ritual it it, um, it lends itself because one you're you're facing everyone at that point. 
Um, so, so going back again, making sure through again, self-awareness that what you're doing is giving the meaning of the piece that is there, the, the author's intent, you know, nothing is, nothing is written in our ritual just to be written there. There's a meaning behind it. And we have to figure out and make sure that, that we are, that we are giving that, showing that meaning in our delivery. Um, and it, you can still, which you can still do by making it your own. Um, you know, uh, a lot of times, you know, we watch other, uh, other, uh, other people giving ritual and, you know, just like right where said, you know, taking piece, oh, that, that's interesting. I would love to try that. Um, which, you know, we also have to open ourselves up to experimenting with different things. A lot of times we get in the same habit of, oh, we've always done it that way when it comes to- Oh, I've never heard that before. That's that's the tagline animation right there. (laughs) (laughs) Because I said so. uh, (laughs) And there's the other one. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know. Thank you, Worshipful. We we get into that habit and, um, and sometimes we have to, we, we as Masons have to step outside our comfort zone, you know, and find, not, not find new ways, but we have to, it, it's breathing life and keeping the life into something that we're doing over and over again. And, and that's, that's such an important point because as we hear, you know, you know, part of the purpose, obviously, of travel, especially if you're an officer and you're learning ritual, is, is to is to see it done and, and to to make notes and, and to and to think about it a little bit more. But you know, the ritual is for all of us, not just for our new brothers that are coming in. And and any time that you know that you go and you see a piece of ritual that is delivered well and performed well, I guarantee. And I think that every brother on, on, on this podcast would say this is that they've, they've taken something new away, right? There's something, there's something new that they've gotten from the lessons that are contained within that. And, and when you do that, um, you're, you're growing in Freemasonry in general at any brother, but you know, in, 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 in learning to perform ritual, you know, how it strikes you, you know, spiritually, emotionally, th- those things, those things have to come out. Th- th- those, you know, the love for Freemasonry and what you've learned in Freemasonry as a part of this journey is a part of, uh, of the expression of our ritual as well. So, so if I can ask a question, what would you say that's, to that's the brother? I understand, <laughs> but this just came to mind while Chris was talking and, you know, you talk about a brother stepping outside of his comfort zone to move into that more of that performance piece. What would your advice be to a brother who just memorizing and speaking in front of a group is already outside of his comfort zone? What so would you? I'm, I'm going to take an opportunity to answer here since I don't get often uh, <laughs> that I get to answer questions. And I think that, the, you know, this ties into a lot of what Michael said about experimentation. You can't experiment 
in a degree because things can go wrong. Mm -hmm. But every single lodge should be holding rehearsals where everyone can feel comfortable in a smaller group to try those new things, to, to try busting out of your comfort zone just a little bit to whether it's add some performance to your ritual or, or to experiment with a new movement or a new blocking as it were uh, mm -hmm. within the lodge. And I think that's, that's something that we forget so often as we're talking about rehearsal. Rehearsal is not there just to get the brothers together and, and just talk the ritual through. My, one of the favorite things that I do in a rehearsal, and I, I, I go to my lodges rehearsals, I'm, I'm the chaplain, I don't have a whole lot to do, but I want to be there and work on that choreography and try new things and, and throw out ideas that, you know, may not be something that we've seen before, but may add value to the ritual. And Michael, I, I think you covered this really well. Every choice you make has to be deliberate. The words are there for a reason. And any movements, any emphasis needs to accompany that reason. We we walk into this ritual, and and it is ritual. It is it is something that brothers have been practicing for hundreds of years. We need to approach it with deliberation and reverence, and making those choices and trying them out. You know, probably shouldn't be done in front of a live candidate, but your rehearsals need to be elevated to the same level if you expect your ritual performance in Lodge to be elevated to the next level. And I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, part of the thing with, with, with that you can look at when you're at that rehearsal is you have to remember, I think, Chris, I think you're the one who mentioned it earlier. The ritual is not just for the candidate. Yeah, It's for everyone else in the room. So when you talk, I'm going to borrow now from Michael's vocabulary. So if you take a look at the blocking where your stewards go where your deacons go where you know how you do the lighting in the room you know do you yep. have full lights on is it dimmed is it you know do you do candlelight or not you know do you have everybody sitting in a particular area you know those are all things you have to take a look at because now that guy sitting on the sideline it's like oh great i'm gonna listen to them go ahead and do this again i've, I've seen this a hundred times but yet the position of the officers in the room is suddenly different because it conveys a different meaning now based on where they're standing. You know, it just, I, those are I, the things that get missed. Let me jump in on that. Cause that, that's, <laughs> he's waving, all, around. I'm waving a pen. Cause I'm yeah. writing down. Notes oh, as, as long as he pen. doesn't get the ritual out and start pounding on it. I think we're good. <laughs> oh, wait, where is it? Um, um, every candidate in this jurisdiction has to deliver a lesson. They have yes. to return their catechism, their their memory work. Their proficiency. Thanks. Uh, the echo is talking to me. Thanks, Alexa. Um, but when they return their proficiency, they're performing a piece of ritual, a very long piece of ritual for everyone in the lodge. Yes. So in order for you to be able to go through the degrees, you are put in a position in which you have to speak publicly in front of a lot of folks. Now, that being said, that doesn't mean that automatically, because you've done that, that you're comfortable. I'm still a very nervous ritualist, uh, even, even today in getting up. I always get very sort of jazzed up and wound up 
before I do a piece of ritual because no, you know, you. I want to oh, stop. But I, I want to physically get, ill on Tuesday. <laughs> yes, he does. I, I want to get it right, right? And, and physically do, ill and don't bother me. I, I, I've got it in my well, head. I got to really, focus. Really, a lot of a lot of busting of the stones here from the group. <laughs> Rather, and this is par for the course, and I'm sure that I'm going to get more after this. Um, but we invite you um, all to do it. But but that's a starting point, right? And this is why you know uh, the other night when we had the master mason degree in my own lodge, you know, I presented our candidates the ritual because it's like, okay, you've just done this. You're you're thinking symbolically. You're learning about the craft through the study of ritual. Now continue doesn't matter if you're going to be in an office or not it, it, it is it is a tool it's another tool in your tool belt from the perspective of learning about the ritual and and getting used to speaking in front of groups of people which a lot of us aren't comfortable doing it which, and, and to be i mean to to your point the the ritual piece that candidates give like you said earlier and i believe michael echoed it it's a conversation. If you actually yeah. look at our our proficiency, the catechism lesson, whatever you want to call it, it's a conversation. And I think that's a, a huge disservice we do so frequently to the candidates because it yes. isn't a conversation. It's an examination. It's line, 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 line. Right. Line, I mean, line, and I'll be line. honest with you. It's, it's one of the things that uh, I pushed myself when it came to doing ritual when my son went through his degrees because i was his mentor i helped him learn his lessons and stuff but i pushed myself so that when he gave his lesson as he returned his lesson at, at lodge i'm the one that worked with him i'm the one he returned it with and it literally was with i stood there and i gave all of the other side of that conversation from memory you know and it well, made a that, big that's bold it, it, I'll be honest with you. There were a couple parts that I slipped up on, and you know, my son, to his credit, prompted me. Um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll be honest with that you. That I'll believe. I did the same thing when I I'm went to wag my, my finger. Yes, I know. Uh, <laughs> we had other people out there that uh, you know, but it was, but it was comfortable for both of us to stand there and do it. It was a conversation, and it flowed like a conversation. And there were several other several members of the lunch who afterwards you know, came up afterwards and they were just astounded. It was fantastic. We, all we did was what was, re, what was requested. It's it a conversation. conversation yeah. before. Yes. Interestingly enough, right. Where, so that's how, when I went through um, my lessons, that's how we did it. Uh, myself and right. Worshipful uh, Michael Kramer. Yes. We, but we didn't stand. We had two chairs and set them up and it was just, and I remember him saying, you know, it's just you and I. Yes, and we did. We had that conversation about yep. it because, like you said, that's what it was. Um, and now, interestingly enough, though, when I was working with uh, one of our uh, one of my other brothers in the lodge, when he was learning his lessons, when we did the the EA lesson, um, we actually took it as a play, and then walked through as we did, you know. That's, that's great. Yeah. So, you know, so it was still that back and forth conversation, but then being in the lodge, you know, at the certain points where those things are happening, it's almost like, you know, the, the EA history, yes. you know, yes. or any yeah. other history, you know, so making, making that point of not sitting still and, and in a sense, performing it again for the brothers 
well, yeah. on the outside. And, and I think I think it helps because once you can get, and I think this is the same regardless of the piece of ritual, but especially when it's a new brother. And even though he knows the people in the room, he's he's still uncomfortable. He hasn't done a lot of speaking, likely. Right. Yo, know, he's not used to speaking in front of the script. Once you get past that first couple, you know, the first three, four, five questions, and they're focusing on the brother they're talking to, if you're in that conversation, nice. they forget about everything else in the room. Yep. Right. You know, I know when I went through the, you know, through the chairs, especially, you know, the senior deacon's chair, that wonderful speech that you get to do in the second section, uh, you know, in the uh, second degree, you know, once you get on a roll and you're working with the candidate, you forget about everybody else in the room. You know, you just get into that zone and it's, it's just you and the guy you're talking to. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that we, you know, to my earlier point about like saying, having a brother that you, that you're in lodge with, that you bring out to lodge in an empty lodge and you're, and, and he's the person that you start with yourself and then you expand that to one person. And then maybe you expand that to two. And then you're in a rehearsal where you have the officers and the officers are working on things together. And then it brings you to that point to where once it's, it's 10 or 15 or 20 or a hundred, you know, you kind of get to the point other than the sheer number, depending on, you know, the environment that you're speaking in, but you're still in lodge, you're still surrounded by brothers. And I think that that's what we, we forget about, right? We, we forget uh, that, you know, our, our brothers are here to help and support us and that they're, you know, they're uh, all as engaged in this process of, of initiation just in being there as you are. And so I think that we don't have to throw you right into the deep end. I, I think that there is a way that we can, that you can do it to where you can become more and more comfortable and, and starting with delivering, you know, delivering the, uh, the proficiencies, you know, and then utilizing that, mindset to be able to then carry you forward um, it's it's one of the things that when you start to look at you know i i know everybody falls into the it falls into this camp except for maybe michael because you know he's a professional uh but you know when you start to see the sidelines fill up in a lodge room you know you went you go from the you know half a dozen guys at rehearsal um, now maybe there's 12 on the side, you know, 12 counting the sidelines. And then, you know, it's a master Mason degree and it's a candidate that everybody's jazzed to actually see the finish. And all of a sudden there's 30 guys on the sidelines, yeah. you know, the anxiety of the larger audience kicks in, but you have to remember yeah. if it's your, if it's your lodge room uh, and I, I'm Michael, I'm waiting to hear your take on this, but if you think about it in your lodge room, it's still the same 10 paces to the altar. It's still the same 20 paces to the master's chair. None of that changes. The people you're talking to don't change. Yeah, and once you get into the the groove, they kind of fall away on the sidelines. It's it's more about what's in the moment versus the what everybody else is looking at. And I I think it's important to understand, too, that everyone on the sidelines has been through these degrees, has performed this ritual in a lot of cases, have made the same mistakes that you may or may not make yep. and have gotten over it. No, you will make. That yes. You will make. <laughs> I'm sorry but, your rod was too far off the floor. <laughs> yeah, that one oh. that one sets me off. I hate when the rods are too high. But <laughs> but the people who are in the room are not 
strangers to what's going on here. If they haven't been an officer, if they haven't performed the ritual intimately, chances are if you do make a mistake, they're not going to notice. And and B, if they have performed the ritual, they've made the same mistake and they understand where you are. You bet. Yep. The grand Absolutely. lecturer himself, and again, this is not to dig at Chris, but the grand lecturer himself forgot a section of the Master Mason history. And yes, it was noticed, but at the end of the day, we've all been there. Yep. And if, if the grand lecturer is able to make those mistakes and rally and continue performing excellent ritual in what is, in my opinion, one of the most difficult pieces of ritual, then every single person can do it. And that's it, so important. I, I think, it, you know, it, it's the, the size of the crowd can get, you know, but I think also, too, for some brothers, especially newer ones, I know that I, I felt this way. Uh, when there are, when you've got right worshipfuls or, you know, other senior members of Grand Lodge that are that are also in attendance too, um, when you're when you're doing a degree and you want to make sure, you know, that you're when you don't know them, you know, a lot of times now, um, just from the ritual workshop and in traveling and visiting lodges. I feel like I, I I get to know a lot of the the, the right worship. So, you know, it, it's not as intimidating. I say, you know, emphasis on it's still intimidating, but yeah. not as intimidating, you know. Um, so, you know, when you're when you're doing those degree works, uh, I think that I think that too for a new uh, a new and up and coming person, a, a member brother that's going through the chairs. You know, so, you know, you, like you said, you get that comfort, um, uh, right, worse for Newberry of, of being with those same brothers working on the degree and then comes degree night and you've got more people. And then some of those people are, you know, right, worse for the Grand Lodge members, you know, so it, it, it you know, so the nerves are still there, you know. Um, but for me, interestingly, I will say that the nerves are there, but we have to, I, I try when the nerves are there, even when I'm acting on a stage, I use that nerve, those nerves as my motivation. Because I, I feel like when I'm not nervous about something, that's when, you know, you start to get lackadaisical and, and that's when mistakes are made when you don't care anymore. So I think, I, I think nerves are good, you know, because they keep you on your toes when you're when you're going through when you're doing the ritual. Um, so, yeah, and all those purple aprons put our aprons on the same way. So, um, it's easy easy to no, say no. that I understand, I, but I, I've seen you, Chris. You you hook yours up and then jump into it. I've seen it. So this is, <laughs> this is unprecedented, brethren. But I am getting beat up. This, yeah, care. unprecedented. Is fun. Definitely word for it. So, no, the only difference <laughs> is, fun. Chris. The only difference is, is that there's usually not a camera on you. So <laughs> true. That's that's exactly video right. evidence. Yeah. Um, so, brethren, I, I want to really wrap this up, and I think that we've all made some really good points, and I think that we there's so many good things that you can do to elevate your ritual. You can elevate ritual in your lodge and really help candidates get the best experience. And, you know, Chris mentioned this earlier, nobody's expecting these, these changes to be made tomorrow, but they are things that you should work on piece by piece to really get your lodge into the place where every candidate who goes through has an excellent degree. And I think that's the minimum that, that we need to deliver to our candidates 
And it's, it's going to be striving for more and more and more until we can give them the best experience. I do want to say one other, one other thing associated with that is that there are lodges that, that, that struggle um, as far as that's concerned. It, it, simply for the fact, not that they don't have good, hardworking, uh, wonderful brethren within them, uh, brethren that know the ritual, but sometimes sometimes we need help, right? And so that that's also what we are here for, whether that be in your district or or beyond that, is that sometimes you need people to fill in for a part to give the candidate the best possible experience that they have. And that's okay. You know, we have to go around and inspect degrees and that's a part of what constitutionally we, we, we should and, and have to do. But at the same time, that our focus is to is to is to guide our brother uh, through starting with the best the best initiatic experience that they could possibly have. So, you know, please keep that in mind every time you you you, you know if you if you're struggling and you you can't put together certain parts for a degree, please reach out to your DDGLs, your district deputy grant lecturers, or us because because that's that's what we're here for. Uh, if you can't reach your DDGL, call your DDGM. Uh, yeah. I, I feel, uh, in fact, I, earlier this week, I had a master call me up. He's looking for help and asked me who I, he, I could, if I could suggest a couple of brothers he could get in contact with. So, I mean, you know, it's one of the advantages of, of like you said earlier, Chris, traveling around, seeing how other brothers do stuff. You get yeah. to know which brothers know the ritual, which ones know it well, and which ones are willing to travel oh. and help out. I know I tapped Tim for, for a degree, you know, earlier this year. Uh, to help out and and do a it was a great degree and we had brothers from several different lodges involved because everybody wanted to do a great job and everybody wanted to be there and support the candidate and the lodge that needed the help it was a fantastic after, evening it really was yeah so. you, you as a lodge you have resources and it is incumbent on you to to reach out to them and make use of them and and no one will fault you for doing so Nope. And your, your grand lecturer, your deputy grand lecturer, your district deputy grand lecturer, your district deputy grand masters, brothers, you know, within your juris, within the jurisdiction, within the district who, you know, are excellent ritualists or who can do a part very well, reach out to them because the worst they can do is say that they're unavailable or say no. And, and your district officer certainly will help you find the right person to fit into that slot. So make sure and, you reach out. And I would even say, even at a personal level, that's a good thing to do. If you want yeah. to learn a piece of ritual, Yes. You know, reach out. And I'm sure that there are brothers out there that are willing to take the time to sit down with you and go through the ritual and help you learn and understand it. And I will tell you, I've had a brother that said to me, well, I don't want to make you come out for X very small piece of ritual. And my answer to that is, I'll come out for anything you need me to do um, because it's important. And because, you know, crazies like me that just i will do ritual at any given possible chance if asked yep. uh, because i Quick just I love doing it um so you know it, it's never be afraid for that because i guarantee you that there's a brother that wants to jump up and do it no matter how long or short a particular piece of ritual is and, and there is no such thing as a small piece of ritual they may be no, long they may long, be short long or short yeah but they That's are it. there for a reason yes and, and delivering that short piece of ritual excellently is still going to impact the candidate. You bet it does. Um, so in closing for me, I want to say uh, thank you for joining me, brethren. I'll let you all have uh, your own piece of this conversation. I'm going to take away probably a piece of Chris's uh, and say, 
next Saturday or this, this coming Saturday at St. Mark's legendary from nine to noon. Uh, Chris and Michael will be at a ritual performance workshop. Uh, the second to last one of the season. Is that right? Uh, yes. We're, we're actually going to be extending a little bit because we had one that we had to reschedule um, in Milford. So <laughs> we'll talk, but yeah, we will probably be, we'll be doing some more um, beyond that. Uh, yeah, I think Tim, you're going to be the one. I think Tim's going to be the only one that's not there. Cause I'll be at that one. I, yes. I have uh, my in-laws are coming in and I, I, Got to see one uh, earlier in the year, so I will not be there Saturday. But uh, Saturday, uh, the 4th of December, you're going to be in Franklin at yep. Meridian Lodge from 9 to noon as well. So those two are the ones that I have on the schedule. Um, brethren, take the opportunity to get out to one of those ritual performance workshops. They are excellent. Seeing Michael perform uh, some classical pieces of stage work on top of some ritual and and seeing, you know, hearing what what – both Chris and Michael have to say is, is going to elevate your ritual just through being there. Um, and I think that's, that's something you should absolutely make an opportunity to, to get to if you can. And with that, I'm done. Scott, any closing words for our brethren this evening? Yeah, the only thing I would say first off is for those that actually join us, thanks for joining. It, it's always nice to have a, a crowd on the, on the other end of the camera for us. Uh, but I would definitely recommend taking the time to learn at least some piece of ritual. You know, it doesn't have to be a big giant piece. It could be a small piece, uh, a short you know, piece, short piece. Uh, I say small as in the number of words you need to memorize, not the impact it can have. Uh, I know that like, uh, Chris suggested to, a, the, our, to the two new brothers that joined us last week to learn the closing charge. Uh, uh, you know, it's a great piece of ritual. The open charge is a great piece of ritual. Uh, you know, I'm sure if you wanted to, that there's plenty of other opportunities and other places that you can learn something. But even if you take the time just to learn it for your own sake, it'll make you a much better Mason at the end of the day. And who knows, you might actually get bitten by the bug and, and be like Chris and just live for the ritual. And you don't need to be an officer. No, no, you don't. I think that's the thing, single biggest thing that get people get tripped up on. You don't need to be a, an officer to do ritual. And for the masters that are out there listening, if your jurisdiction allows for it, ask your non-officers to participate. You know, this, there, there if, are, there I, I, know, I, I know I always like seeing someone who's not an officer give ritual because I know it means that they have a love for the fraternity and they want to help and support the brother. And so it's always nice to see. There's lots of opportunities. Chris, final words. You know, for me, the ritual is the way that I I think I, I can personally best express my my love for this fraternity and to uh, and to shepherd our brothers into uh, you know into the lifelong journey that that Freemasonry is. You know, guys, we only do this once for these, you know, every one of us only goes through this the first time once. Um, and so anything that we can do to make that experience as special and as memorable as possible for our brethren is worth every ounce of our energy. Um, that being said, brethren, um, if you want some more information, nhgrandlodge.org slash ritual. Um, we've recently put together uh, the grand lecturers, the deputy grand lecturer and myself put together the grand lecturer's guide for ritual excellence. It's, I think, a very good document. It actually asks a lot of questions um, and uh, is makes you think a little bit. So I, I, I highly suggest you go. So it's, it's a bit of a read, but I think it's very digestible. 
Um, take a look at that. Um, talks a lot about this, some of these performance elements. Come out to the ritual uh, performance workshops. Participate in the new Ritual Excellence Program, which you'll find more information on there. But brethren, we'll be adding more information associated with what we're doing with ritual there, including, and we've got dates up as well. So uh, if you don't find it there, if you have any questions at any time, feel free to contact us. We are definitely and always here to, uh, to assist. So thank you, brethren. And if you don't know how to reach out to Chris directly, we will be more than happy to get you uh, to him. Just email us at the podcast at Grand or Cornerstone at nhgrandlodge.org. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, we can certainly get them to the right people. And if you have comments, suggestions, or questions for us, we'll be happy to answer them. And uh, Michael, finally, to close on you, what what is your uh, what are your closing words for our brethren this evening? I'm, uh-oh, you froze a little bit there on my end. Um, you know, I thank you all for having me here. And, um, you know, I, I think I echo the words of uh, both our right worshipfuls with, you know, learn ritual. It's, um, it, it's, it's great to know, uh, to get to know and learn, you know, the meaning behind what we say and what we do. Um, and when we can, we can transfer that knowledge to another brother. Um, I think it, 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 it's a special, it's very special for, as we talked about at the top of the podcast, you know, so. And I want, I want to make sure publicly before we go that this man has, has m- helped to make this workshop what it is. So oh, absolutely. Um, come, come out and, and see, you know, you don't want to hear me talk. That's fine. Come out and see, see brother Brown and, and everything that, that he's uh, that he contributes to this because his, his perspective is so very important and so very impactful in this, uh, in this program we're doing. So I want to, I want to thank, thank him and, and, uh, and everything that he's done. So thank you, brother. From my perspective, it's something we've never seen in this jurisdiction adding, you know, Michael's particular skill set and expertise to these conversations, it, it makes a huge difference. And and I loved the ritual performance workshop I was able to attend. So again, thank you, Michael, for joining us tonight. And, and thank you for everything you've done to the, the other panelists here. Thank you very much. And to our brethren in the, in the crowd, thank you for joining us and have a great night. We will see you again on December 5th, where we talk about education in the lodge and how to get education started in your Have a good night, everyone, and thank you for joining us.